welcome back to another episode of Giorgio Says the Podcast. I have not done an episode since um, February 3rd. I am reworking the podcast out, not so much the content, but how often I want to release episodes right now. We're up until February 3rd. I was trying to get one out every week, but I'm going to be honest with you guys. There's a lot of uh, platforms that I've got to keep up to date. And so the podcast always seems to take a back seat, unfortunately, but it's not lost on me. I know you guys look forward to these every week. So I am going to be updating everyone soon, but I am figuring out um, a new format or not format, a new schedule for these podcast episodes. And so in the end, you guys will end up hopefully getting two episodes a week versus one. All right. But I need to update you guys on my life. Um, this is a good place for me to do that. I don't like to really talk about myself um, when I'm posting my other content, because as you know, I want to give you guys all the tea and all the, the background that I can. But the podcast is the place for me to kind of update you guys on what's going on in my life and what's been going on and what is going to be coming down the pipeline. And right for my birthday, so my birthday was on February um, 16th. And usually, I don't actually think I've ever gone away for my actual birthday. Like I've always taken a trip in the past, like either before my birthday or just right after, but nothing where I've been away on my actual birthday, at least that I can remember. Um, but this year was really nice. My partner, Jeff, was really sweet. He's very good at planning. He's very good at travel planning specifically, but he put together this whole trip and a lot of it was a surprise. So that was very exciting and a little nerve wracking only because I didn't know what I was supposed to pack. But nonetheless, it was exciting. We ended up going to uh, Mexico. We usually in the past have frequented uh, Puerto Vallarta. That's like our second home away from home, if you will. But this year we wanted to do something different and he had suggested Tulum, which I had been hearing so much about. And obviously uh, Tulum is, uh, close to our Bravo hearts, because as we know, on this past season of Potomac, the Real Housewives uh, went there for a trip and a lot of stuff went down. But so we we went to Tulum and we spent about 11 days or 10 days there um, in Mexico. So we went to Tulum for the first five days and it was beautiful, guys. Like if you ever get a moment and you want to go somewhere amazing, beautiful, scenic, beachy. Tulum is where it's at. Like, honestly, like I had such an amazing time. The restaurants there were so good. Everything there is built around having an experience, which I enjoy. And yeah, it was, it was amazing. We then from Tulum, we went to um, Playa del Carmen, which also another great, lively town and we met a couple of couples while we were there we're very like somehow always find ourselves making friends with people when we're on vacation that we end up staying connected to after vacation so this ended up happening twice on our trip which was like it's always so funny when I think back on it because you know um you're never really looking for that 
you know, you're just there on vacation, but then, you know, you spark up conversation or it's just the universe's way of trying to bring people together, I guess. But so that was interesting and fun. And then on my actual birthday, uh, we had a nice, another actually funny story. The night of my birthday, we went upstairs in our hotel. There's a, there was a, a rooftop sushi restaurant bar. And um, we thought we would go up there first, have a couple of drinks at the bar, and then kind of head out for the rest of the evening. And while we were there having drinks, there was another, uh, a guy and a woman who I thought were together, like in a relationship, but they were just friends. But they ended up chatting with us. We ended up drinking way more than I needed to. (laughs) I am very lightweight, but I... if I stick to the same drink, I'm good. It's when I start moving around like the liquor cabinet, if you will, that's where it gets a little messy for me. And I don't like feeling um, messy. I like a good buzz. I like all that, but I, I can't do the like, I can't go full on inebriation. Like it just doesn't work for me. So, um, but anyway, I was drinking uh, dirty martinis because that's, it's either margarita Pinot Grigio, Sauve Blanc, Rosé, or a dirty martini because I like a really good, dirty, filthy martini, like extra olive juice, extra olives. Yes, yes, yes. So that's what I was drinking. And by the time we left, oh, we also did like, obviously we did shots of tequila because it was my birthday. And then I even got like a little birthday cupcake thing, which was really cute. But nonetheless... We ended up going out for the rest of the evening. We lost track of those two. I don't know what happened, but we ended up going out and it was just a fantastic night and a memorable trip. So um, thank you to everyone who was uh, sharing stuff with me while I was on vacation. I really try to disconnect as much as I can because I'm on every device possible outside of vacation and I'm glued to my phone and emails and DMs and TikToks and YouTubes and the podcast. So it was nice to kind of disconnect, but I did towards the end of my trip, I'm not going to lie. I was feeling a little FOMO. I was like ready to get back into the game. And, uh, but it was, it was an amazing trip. So Jeff, thank you so much. I love you and I really appreciate it. Uh, but the other, the other updates are obviously more Bravo related. I don't think I've actually talked to you guys. um, Or maybe I have actually, no, not on the podcast. So the, maybe the last thing you probably remember is I broke the story about Juan's mistress. So all of that was going on and we have a lot of updates for Potomac and I want to go through I'm kind of going to do like a Bravo update with what's been going on because there's been a lot of things happening every single day. I also want to touch on um, the real friends of WeHo. I want to give you my thoughts on that. And yeah, so let's get right into this. Welcome to the Giorgio Says Podcast. Filling the tea with Giorgio Takanakis. If you love to keep up to date with all the latest pop culture news and celebrity gossip, then this is the podcast for you. Now, now please welcome, please your, welcome host, your host, Giorgio Takanakis. So where do I begin? I think we should start with... Potomac, obviously, that was a smoking gun. 
after reunion was filmed, after the season had wrapped, we find out that Juan did in fact have a mistress and Robin came out to clarify on her reasonably shady podcast, Giselle. And then she was on watch what happens live and was grilled about that. And then we're going to get a sit down one-on-one with her and Andy after the three-part reunion or as part of the three-part reunion, part three. So that's very interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. But, you know, all jokes aside, guys, I think the the point of this was not so much to uh, bring something to the surface that would harm someone's marriage, although I know that's how it looks. And I've gotten all your DMs for the ones that think that I took this too far or I tried to squeeze as much juice out of it as I could. I don't see it that way, but I understand from your perspective, that's how it comes across. It's always a sticky situation with uh, regards to something like this. When you have someone who's trying to get information out, there's a lot of due diligence that needs to be done. And I'm not a perfect human being, but with this situation, I really kind of handled it with kick gloves because A, she was kind of, you know, emotionally charged when we started to speak initially. And so I wanted to make sure that she didn't throw herself out to the wolves because she was kind of in this place where she didn't care if she exposed herself, but she wasn't jumping to expose herself initially. So I kind of handled it as sensitively as I could. However, I think the bigger point around this and for Potomac and any other franchises where people, cast members, try to conceal something that they don't want to expose and then it somehow gets exposed. I think the issue is specifically with Robin. And you see this play out on the reunion as well, where she's saying things about other people and infidelity and and making these opinions known like when she said at the reunion I think it was part one you know can we just agree that married man shouldn't be in a hotel room with a woman alone like stuff like that knowing what she knows already that she's not sharing okay so I think that's where the hypocrisy in all of this comes when you talk about exposing if you will this mistress I don't feel like it was a mistress. I don't feel like this relationship between Robin and Juan is actually real anyway. I think it is all for cameras. I believe the mistress and I believe other people that have come out and said the same thing. I never felt that this was a real relationship. The cameras don't lie. If anything, the cameras pick up and zoom in on things that are missing or something's off. Like it it, it has a way of doing that. So the entire time I knew in the back of my mind This is for a check. And I'm not hating on that so much because I get it. You got to do what you got to do. However, if you're going to finagle the story this way, you can't hide this big elephant because this woman didn't just wake up and randomly reach out to me. She had been commenting on other blogs for months. So it just worked out that I answered her DM and she, it was, I guess, timing. I don't know, but Nonetheless, this ended up coming out and now it's made it it's made a sticky situation because will the viewers believe anything that Robin puts forward in season eight? And the reason why I'm speaking her into season eight is because I don't feel that she's going to be axed. 
there's still more to this story. And I think this has made people want to know more, more context. Why? What's really happening in your relationship? What are you not telling us? Like, I think they're going to go down that road with her. I think they're not going to try to keep bringing up or rehashing this situation because from the way I see it, they're they're kind of milking it for the season seven package, right? We've got them adding on the one-on-one with Robin and Andy. You have them flashing to the one-on-one whenever she says something that is hypocritical. Um, and, you know... I don't have that. I don't have, I don't have any issues with Robin. Actually, Robin and I had uh, an exchange um, a couple weeks back, a few weeks back now. And we were, it wasn't, it wasn't um, mean spirited. It wasn't any of that. Actually, she was very cool, calm, collected. We had a very open, honest conversation. I asked her some questions. She answered the best way that she could, but all in all, I feel like Robin has learned something from this. And if it's not that you shouldn't be with someone that you shouldn't be with, it's that I need to not hide stuff like this and be more uh, savvy about getting ahead of it. Because in my opinion, had she, had, I don't know, set up a scene with Giselle and kind of just told Giselle, this is what happened. Now I feel like I need to push the wedding date back. I'm not sure. Prenuptial agreement. That would have made sense with the 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 cheating clause that she kept bringing up on season seven. That would have linked it all together. And I almost can guarantee that would have been the biggest storyline of season seven. She would have absolutely been sitting next to um, Andy at this reunion had she used this and gotten ahead of it before this lady got all mad because I think actually the lady still probably would have been mad because we don't actually know how Robin would have presented the information or the story about it but I don't think that's going to happen going forward I think producers are going to be paying a close closer attention to Robin and Juan's situation as well as Giselle's situation because she also doesn't share anything and she plays off of other people's storylines. I get it. We all need, we, you know, every franchise needs their antagonist or bone collector or whatever, but we still don't know anything about Giselle. So, you know, a couple people pointed out like at the last, the second part of the reunion, you hear that Giselle has a sister and it's like, oh, wow, I didn't know. I mean, maybe she's mentioned it in passing quickly, but like, it's not been prominent. Like, we didn't know you had a sister. You didn't talk about that. You don't talk about anything. So, you you know, you, you almost feel like she's just there to put on this, like, front for the cameras, get her check, and keep it moving. She doesn't respond to people. She doesn't care what people are saying on social media. That's all clear. But at you know, the buck will stop at some point. And I do think season eight is going to be pivotal for that. I think Robin and Giselle are going to have a little bit of a tougher season next season if they want to keep playing ball. Um, and I'm okay with that because I think they've put other women in the hot seat for a long time with, you know, without getting their hands dirty. So we shall see. So stay tuned. I have my ears peeled. You guys know at this point, I do live in Maryland. So, you know, I'll hear about it pretty fast. And I'll obviously tell you guys when I find out what's going on, what's the tea, 
all that good stuff. Uh, but, you know, I want to segue over from Potomac because, you know, we have New Jersey now that has started airing. Episode four has premiered this week. And, you know, it does look like we're getting another, well, we knew this, but it's going to be another Teresa, Joe, Melissa season of feuding. And we already knew they were in a bad place before the season aired, obviously, because of the reports and the, the wedding and all this stuff. But as I'm watching the season play out, I'm noticing in the background, there's just a lot of like random, um, there's a lot of random stories that are not favorable for the Gorgas, right? Joe and Melissa. And it's coming out like left and right. There's like, I think there was like a week or two where it was like every other day, it was like more details about this. And this is the real story about that. And Joe's being sued for $110,000 for not paying for materials to build his new house. And so all these things are popping off in the background. Meanwhile, Teresa's kind of on her love bubble tour and she's playing this fawn in the woods. And yes, guys, I do feel that she's trying to play like she's this innocent fawn in the woods now that she's with Louie. She's got her love bubble. She's got her house. She's got her blended family. We're not hearing anything too much about anything negative about Teresa. Not that there should be, but it's weird that there's so much coming out about Melissa and Joe while the season's airing. So, you know, I had to, for one of these stories, the one about the lawsuit with Joe, I wanted to get straight up. I wanted to get clarity on this. So I reached out to a couple sources, some really reliable sources. And I just asked them, look, what can you tell me about this? Is it really about their house? what like why why is this coming up i was then given some context and some clarification which i did post about um you can check it out on my tiktok or my youtube i think it's on my youtube um but if not definitely on my tiktok and instagram giorgio says so but nonetheless i did clarify um, so basically, this $110,000 that Joe is being sued for, it's not Joe personally, it's his business, right? So he owns a construction business, and all that fun stuff. So typically, I mean, now, if this was connected to their new house, that is an astronomical amount of money. So yeah, that would be a red flag. However, I learned and was able to confirm that that $110,000 lawsuit is pertaining to a $42 million project that Joe is currently or has been working on. So that changes things because, and I can, I can speak on this because my dad owned a painting construction company in, in the DC area for 30 years. And, you know, sometimes the, the projects would be really up there in budget and the higher the budget, Things change in terms of material costs. Sometimes the vendor doesn't do what they say they're going to do or deliver when they say they're going to deliver. So it holds off. Also, you don't get paid right when you drop the materials off. You get either paid in installments or as the project is, is going, or sometimes, sometimes you have to wait until the project's completely done. So you're not getting your money like it's not a nine to five. You're not going to clock out and then a week 
or two weeks from then, you're going to get a check for the time that you put in. It doesn't work that way. So in this particular instance, this made sense. So that was just one thing that I wanted to clarify because it was bugging me. There was just all these things coming out left and right. And, you know, nowadays people can just make anything clickbaity and whatever. So I feel that someone, someone in Teresa's camp is either behind some of this. Allegedly, this is speculation. I'm not saying this is fact. It's not. But it feels that way. It feels like it's coming from her camp. So, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna have Melissa on my podcast at some point this season. And I haven't figured out when's a good time. But I think the mid-season would be a sweet spot. So I'm going to try to get her on the podcast around that time of the season. Because I want to see a little bit more play out. Um, Because I do have some questions for Melissa, too. Don't get me wrong. It's not, this isn't a picking sides situation for me because I see the wrong that both sides have done. However, there is a point where you've got to just put a fork in it, be done, and move on and commit to moving forward and stop pulling from the background when something in the present happens that you may not like. And so, yes, I would love to have. Melissa on and and get her to answer some of these questions because you know I know they can't get it all out on the show obviously it's a reality show it's got to be entertaining at the same time but there's context to some of this and I would love to learn more about it all right so now we're jumping from New Jersey and we've got to make a little pit stop in Atlanta so If you've been sleeping under a rock, then last October, you might have missed that Kim Zolciak potentially was going to lose her home in a foreclosure sale for, I think it was a $300,000 loan that they have yet to, I guess they had issues paying back or they didn't pay back or didn't pay it back under the agreement. And so there was some buzz about that that she was going to be losing her home. And I never believed that she would let her, what is it? I think her house is worth, what, $2 million at this point. No one in their right mind is going to let their $2 million house go for $300,000. Just, it doesn't make sense. But, so that kind of died off, right? So then Kim came out on social media and basically was like, what are you haters going to do when you see me in this house during the holidays? And And I'm not going anywhere. Well, let's fast forward from October, November to, when was it? February. And this whole foreclosure thing rears its ugly head again, right? And this time, it's not for the $300,000. I guess there was a different loan that they had taken out in 2013, I believe, uh, that was at $1.65 million. So this was a different uh, reason for the foreclosure this time around, but still attached the same house. And everyone was buzzing saying March 7th, March 7th, March 7th, they're going to do the foreclosure sale. You know, it's done, it's done, it's done. Uh, page six or yes, page six caught up with, um, Kim's daughters when they had arrived at LAX asking them about it. They were like, it's a misunderstanding. There's no sale on March 7th. They even played along and said, we'll see what happens on March 7th, guys. Stay tuned. And so I was like, you know what? 
I wonder if there's a way to actually validate this information. So, and by the way, guys, everything that I was able to source to get the information is all public information. I didn't go past a paywall. I didn't pretend to be like everything from Kim's address is on Zillow, public information. The foreclosure notice is also public information. And that foreclosure notice had two bits of information in there that I thought would be useful to maybe see if I could get information. So I did my due diligence. I called the law firm that's that was handling this foreclosure sale at the time. And I just asked and I posted me having this conversation because I wanted people to hear that, okay, A, the sale's not happening on March 7th. So if anything, this doesn't make those girls look dumb or naive for going on and on about how that was a misunderstanding and that there is no sale happening on March 7th. They were actually right because by the time I called, I guess in news broke about this, Kim obviously had sorted something out where they then pulled the plug on the sale. So that was all great and dandy. So we'll have to wait and see though, because you know I've heard from different people that there's multiple ways that you can get out of doing this, whether it be bankruptcy or other avenues. So we'll have to keep waiting and see, like, is she, is she going to be able to maintain this? I personally feel that she should sell the house and get something more reasonable. She's not bringing in the income that she used to bring in with Atlanta and then her show, Don't Be Tardy, which was canceled. It's not, I mean, all these little businesses that she has going are not bringing in the same income that the shows were. So I can imagine that her expenses are still really high and maybe her her net you know income for the month is much lower so yeah things are probably you know not as easy to maintain financially like paying back loans that you took off the equity of your home i don't hate kim but i just wish kim would get a little bit more real about how she displays herself. She's very out there. We also saw that she was selling wigs and clothes and things just a couple weeks or a week or two before this whole foreclosure situation happened again. So, you know, do what you got to do, you know, liquidate if you have to. Do you need all those things? Probably not. Do you need that big house? Probably not. Is it nice? Sure. I live in a much bigger house now with my partner. We used to live in a one bedroom condo. Then we lived in New York before that and a studio when we first met. So this, this house that we're in now is much bigger than what we've lived in before. And this is a big upkeep. You have a yard, you have maintenance of every facet of your house from the light bulbs to, you know, everything you know you've got to sort things out differently when you've got a full-on house there's there's a whole different management uh process to that and my house is nowhere near as big as kim and croy so i don't even want to know what that maintenance bill just for landscaping is every month or every other week so all i'm saying is like you probably would be in a much sweeter spot financially if you didn't have this burden of this house just my opinion. I'm not a financial expert by any means. So don't take my advice on it. Do what you want to do. Do what makes you happy. But I'm just saying, if you want to stay out of 
the headlines for, you know, not paying your loans back, then maybe figure out something else. I don't know. But I also want to talk about Miami because Miami has been so, 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 so good this season, guys. It's probably one of the best seasons out of all the franchises that I've watched. Okay. And that says a lot because I, I think there's been countless seasons of different franchises that I'm like, oh, this was so good. Uh, like you just can't, you can't even recreate it. That's how good it was. And I'm really excited to see the reunion for Miami. They are having their season finale uh, this week. So that means we will get the reunion. And I heard the reunion was pretty intense. So I'm loving all the storylines, though. I love Alexia's storyline. I love that we dove more into her uh, situation with Frankie and getting him more independent and kind of like seeing what that is like. Because we would never know, like I would never know what that feels like to have a child and then that child get into a, a terrible accident where they may not have made it through, but then they do. And then there's all these other obstacles that you have to face. And, you know, that's such a big part of her life and you can see it and you can feel it. You know, I feel her energy when she speaks about Frankie. So that I love that so much. I love the authenticity of all the women because it makes for such a great blended cast when everyone's bringing something to the table and they're not trying to hide stuff. Uh, Lisa, Lisa Hochstein. I mean, I think everyone's rooting for her. Um, from the minute we heard that Lenny was leaving her and, and the affair and everything that he's done to her in the past, we were all rooting for her. So for her to share this was probably really hard and embarrassing because this all played out while they were filming. So she didn't really have too much time to like gather herself. So everything was just so out there. Headlines were coming left and right. She was having to address it on the show as it was happening in real time. So, you know, that's stressful. That can do a lot to someone. She's also a mom. She's not sure where, where her life's going to go at this point with everything that she's finding out. So I'm sure it was a, a very scary time. But I have loved watching the girls rally around her and support her and stick by her. because. That's what it's about at the end of the day. Like, I love that these girls can fight, but they will show up at each other's house if they need to, to support them or be there for them. And I, I like, I'm, 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 I'm just like thrilled that we have a franchise who actually gets the assignment. Also, I'm like so obsessed with pop productions who does Miami. They, they edit the show so well. It's so good. If you haven't watched it and you can get yourself a Peacock account, Go and binge it. It's probably even better watching it the full way through. Uh, but I hope that next season, Marisol, Adriana, or Kiki, one of them gets a full-time uh, mojito, gets their little mojito. Because they, they deliver. Kiki is hilarious i am cackling every time she's on the screen she's saying something so funny and witty and she's just so out there and bubbly and fun and just want you can just tell she's a good time like she just she loves good vibes um so i hope that they can 
give one of the three at least a mojito. Depending on who. I think Marisol is really good being friend of, from what I understood when I interviewed her last year. She's almost better with it. I think she doesn't really want to put her full self out there and be a full-time, like, housewife where she's got to be in the mix. But she's on every episode, so she pretty much is full-time. So I guess, yeah, why would you want to take on more uh, pressure to share more if you can just be a friend of and still get paid pretty much every episode like the rest of them? But definitely Kiki, I think, would be a good full-time uh, housewife for sure. She's just, she's fun. She She's good at what she does. She gets the assignment. She knows what she's doing. So I appreciate that. Um, so that's Miami. I, I could say a lot more. I might even just do like a season recap once the reunions air and, and kind of do like a, a more deep dive recap on the season um, in the future. So we'll see. I do want to touch on also that unfortunately Real Housewives of Atlanta star Drew Sedora and her husband Ralph have filed for divorce. Now this is really funny guys. So People magazine confirmed initially that Ralph filed for divorce from Drew and they've been married about nine years. And I was like, man, that sucks because if anybody should have done it, it should have been Drew because I didn't like the way their relationship was being displayed. It was clear that he's, he's just not a good husband. He's not even a good partner and not even a friend. Um, so I was like, well, damn, that sucks. Like, I would have much rather her been the one to do it because that would have been like, oh, okay, yeah, he deserves that. You know what I mean? So I was a little bit disappointed. But then, then you guys, shout out to TMZ <laughs> because they were able to verify, this, and this is also petty, but I'm here for it, that Drew actually beat him to filing for divorce by one hour. One hours she got to the courthouse or the lawyers i don't know she got there and filed that paperwork an hour before ralph's i'm not sure if she saw the people magazine confirmation was like oh hold on i actually filed before him see because it tells you the time and they, they they record all that so i was like oh thank god because i was like this sucks why does he get to be a jerk and then he's the one that goes and files for divorce. Like, that's a double whammy. So I'm glad that she was able to, I mean, I know it's petty. But when you're in a situation like that, you'll take those little petty moments. Because they, they make the world of a difference, I can imagine. So, so that's that. So that should be interesting. Because I know that they've wrapped filming, uh, I think it's season 15 of Atlanta. So I wonder if we're going to see the, the downfall of this marriage kind of play out. Um, because... Otherwise, it would be very random. Why now are you filing? Why didn't you file before last season started filming or midway through? Who knows? So we'll have to keep watching. I'm still waiting. I think as we all are, we are waiting for this Real Housewives of Orange County trailer. They keep telling us different things. I keep seeing Tamara posting her green screens, like for her intro cards and um, all that stuff. Can we just drop the trailer already? You filmed this like at this point, it's like taking too long. And the reason why I feel like it's a problem when you wait that long is so much can happen in between the season wrapping for filming and then it airing 
there's always that window where things always start to slowly come out before the season. And that's typically normal. But sometimes when you wait too long, too many people's storylines end up getting um, put out there. And so when you watch the show, you kind of already know where things are going to go. And that is where I don't favor watching the show at that point. I already know too much about the storylines. I don't mind knowing inklings of things that are happening, but to know everyone's storyline is a little bit much. So I feel like when we wait this long, it gives room for people to speculate more and say, oh, this is what's going to be coming down the pipeline. Also, guys, I'm really sorry I sound stuffy. I'm not sick. But ever since I got COVID, my sinuses have been like in the tubes. Like they pick and choose when they want to work. I've already had like, sinus issues in the past but more so around like season changes like spring summer would be the worst for me because of like pollen and allergies but now it's just very strange so if I sound stuffy it's not because I'm sick I'm I, I feel great it's just yeah um so what was I saying yeah so OC so I'm excited I'm excited to see how Taylor does on the season and Hopefully we get it this month. I'm thinking March. Yeah, we're in March now, so we should be getting it um, soon. I would hope. I hope. I feel like Vanderpump Rules is back, you guys. It's back. It's bringing me back to the days where it was like fun. It's it's fast. It's energetic. It's funny. It's dramatic. All of those things. It's all happening. The season on Vanderpump Rules. Shout out to Lisa Vanderpump. You got the message after last season. You went back to the drawing board and I am here for it. I'm loving the mess between Sheena and Katie. Um, Raquel, Raquel is surprising me, you guys. I would never have thought Raquel would put herself out there the way that she's putting herself out there. And I know a lot of it is for the show, but I think it's just fun to watch someone come out of their shell. When we met Raquel, she was like this innocent, like a literal innocent fawn in the woods, you know, James's girlfriend getting treated like garbage from Lala and other people on the cast. And now she's like in her, dare I say, villain era. I'm here for it, though. Side note, she goes on a little dating tour because remember, guys, she goes on a date, a date or couple dates with Garcelle's son, Oliver, who works at Vanderpump. Uh, the Vanderpump Cocktail Lounge in, in Vegas. So, and we're going to be getting a scene with Garcelle and Lisa Vanderpump. So it's all happening this season. So I'm, I'm interested to see how this plays out, specifically because Oliver and his wife had some drama because of this Raquel storyline. So interested to see how that plays out too. I'm really happy with, you know, the television uh, programming on Bravo and Peacock as of late. I feel like production is is stepping up where they can. There are still some opportunities, like on Potomac, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, we still need to get to the bottom of, you know, what's what are these people's stories, like Giselle and Robin? Like, let's get to know them a little bit more. Let's put the heat on a little bit more so we can get something out of them without them trying to fish for other people's drama to make their storylines. Um, 
We also, oh, and we also have Beverly Hills currently filming. They're in week two of filming officially. We already had two events. We had Dorit host the first event, which was like this picnic theme, which seemed lovely. All the ladies were there. Uh, no newbies. I haven't seen Kathy, but that doesn't mean she's not filming. I think Kathy's actually probably wrapping filming season two of Paris in Love. So we'll probably get her soon. Or worst comes to worst, we'll get her midway through the season like we did last season. But the second event that they filmed was for Crystal's 40th birthday party. And I was getting messages being like, oh my gosh, they're either being really fake or, you know, it's going to be a really boring season. So I just want to point out, guys, that these women had a long break from a much needed long break, shall I say, from season 12. It was very dark. It was a lot of stuff going on. Very heavy. So it was a good idea that production took a break. The ladies took a break, lived a little, let it breathe, let it just, let's reflect and try to move forward. We obviously don't have Lisa Rinna anymore, but I don't want people to think that because the first couple of things we're seeing for season 13 is them all having a good time. That doesn't always mean something. I also, in my gut, feel like they will put on a front on social media now to make it seem like everything's copacetic and not let out too much of the tea. Because I think they learned from last season that so much of the tea had gotten out before the show was able to air, like the situations at hand that we were all talking about, like Aspen, for instance. So that took over the entire season because people already knew it was coming. So it was like this, this pressure to like, when's Aspen? When's Aspen? When's Aspen? Then we see it and then we don't see the actual altercation between Kathy and Lisa. And everyone's like, why didn't they film it? Why are we still talking about this if no one can watch what actually happened? So I think everyone just took a little bit of a break. But I do feel like there's been some drama. I've been hearing some, uh, nothing major, but there are some things that need to be sorted out that I think the ladies are sorting out. I just don't think we're going to get all the intel on it. I mean, even though I, I'm going to try to get as much intel for you guys as I can, I don't think it's going to be blasted out the way it was last season. And I, I think that's good. I think that's good. I, I want to be, you know, surprised when the trailer comes. I don't want to know exactly what, what storylines are going to be in the trailer before it even comes out. So there's that. And I know I said I was going to end with Vanderpump Rules, but I did say at the beginning of this episode, I want to give you my thoughts on The Real Friends of WeHo. It has completed its season one. I'm not quite certain um, if they will do a season two. It's probably too early to tell, or maybe it's not, and it's, it is what it is. Um, listen, I've gotten your messages. I've covered recaps for the episodes even though you guys are laughing at me and telling me it's a joke that I'm watching or claiming that MTV's paying me. They're not. MTV has not paid me anything. None of the networks have paid me anything. Let's just be crystal clear. Um, so I actually did enjoy the show. I think it has a lot of potential. I think that the casting wasn't 100% right, but you never get casting right the first time around. So it was a good way to get their feet wet. Now, if they don't end up going on with this show, I hope that some sort of similar formatting does come out where it allows for a group of 
gay successful men to share their lives and maybe it's presented differently maybe we don't call it the real friends of when they're not all real friends but you know something along those lines because i think that there is an opportunity here and sometimes you know the first ones to do something don't always get it 100% right but nothing in its first uh rendition or version if you will ever does super well like I was just for uh, shits and giggles looking at season one of OC to see what the ratings were. And they were like two, it was a two out of five star rating. Everyone hated it. Coincidentally, they were all saying that it was, but it was other housewives commenting that, oh, we don't need to see like women just showing off their wealth. Like that's not interesting. Like I don't want to be represented by this. It's a very similar commentary to Real Friends of WeHo from all the gay men that you know, came out with their pitchforks and fire torches when the show was announced because Todrick was on there. And now we like, we're going to crucify Todrick now for being on a show because we don't, we don't like some of the things that we've heard that he's done in his business. And, you know, none of these people are really friends. And why would you do it in WeHo? None of these people live in WeHo. And so there was just a lot of backlash. And I think, Unfortunately, it took its toll on the show. It was only a six episode package, which is pretty standard for a season one. But, you know, I don't know what the budget for it was. I don't know what MTV gave them. I hope it's not the end. I think that needs to be recast a little bit. Not everybody. There's a few people that I think are not really able to share authentically their story without hesitation or you know, just being messy and being nasty for no reason, Dorian. Uh, And I really enjoyed Curtis's story, but after seeing and hearing some of the things that happened off camera with how Curtis maneuvered with Dorian um, around this guy, Chris Salvatore, who was initially cast to be on the show as well but because he has an OnlyFans account apparently there was three gays on the cast that were like I'm not filming with him and so because you have that many people not willing to film with you there's no point in you being on the show it limits things so he was fired so he did make a tweet about this at the beginning of the season but he didn't name names and as I watched the show it was starting to become clear that Dorian definitely was one of those people just based on how he treated Joey and how he feels about influencers but then it clicked when I was re-watching the, because I go back and watch the episodes sometimes just in case I miss anything. And in episode one, there is this particular scene between Dorian and Curtis. And it's really quick, you guys. And I got it. I, I clipped it and put it on my TikTok and Instagram. But it's like he's he's telling Dorian about the fact that Joey's an influencer, but that he wants him to come with Curtis to Joey's engagement party. And he says something like, I had to tell you he was an influencer because of the only fan, but it cuts like, it was as if they wanted to leave just enough in to see if maybe someone would pick it up. Hi, <laughs> I picked it up. Um, or it was just by mistake. I'm leaning like they did that on purpose. Cause who are you guys? First of all, the ego 
to sit there and say, I'm not going to film with this person when you are new to this whole thing. And that like James, James, Dorian and Curtis were the three allegedly, but they were, they were, you know why I know that they I've seen little to nothing positive come out of, I haven't even seen James do any interviews really with it. He didn't really, he wasn't on like two episodes. He like, it's just, you guys are too difficult. Why are you here? I would have just rather had Brad, Todrick, Joey, Chris, Salvatore, justice for Chris. Chris is fine. But I'm saying like, in the sense of like, I would have rather had just four than all these queens that don't want to actually film with each other. They don't like each other. Everyone thinks they're beneath the, the, everyone's beneath them. My business, I'm a CEO, I'm an actor. I'm coming out on the show, but I don't want to make my family look bad, but people are going to have to talk about things because we're on a reality show and that's what people do on these things. But like, it's all very perplexing. So as much as a lot of you will disagree with that, that's fine. We can agree to disagree. Um, and I think this is a sweet spot where I can um, wind down this episode and let you guys know that I am so happy and so grateful I hit 100,000 followers on TikTok just a day before my birthday. So happy birthday to me. But thank you all for your love, support, your kindness. Um, I can't tell you how many times I get messages from you guys and you're just being just lovely and nice and supportive. And thank you to everyone. Um, I'm at 4.3 thousand subscribers on YouTube. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Didn't think I would even get to a thousand, uh, but you guys showed me so much love. And I also want to shout out Layla Lynn Media on YouTube for having me on her channel as well as uh, T. Um, she has been amazing as well because she also had me on her live. So I want to shout out to them. Go follow and subscribe to their channels on YouTube. Um, what else? Trying to, I'm trying to give you guys all the updates before I close this episode out in case I forget something. Um, yeah, I think that's it. You know what, guys? I'll leave it here. Thank you all so much for all the support. Make sure if you're not subscribed to my YouTube channel, go over and check me out. I would greatly appreciate that. If you're not following me on Instagram, it's at Giorgio Says. And obviously, if you're not following me on TikTok, that's Giorgio Says as well. Um, listen, I've had a blast. February was a good month. I can't wait to see what March brings. And stay tuned for an update on the new schedule for the podcast. And until the next episode, guys, I will talk to you next time. Bye.